Welcome to the AEM Education and Training Podcast, a collaboration between Brown University Emergency Medicine and the editors of the Academic Emergency Medicine Education and Training Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and here's what we've got for you today. Emergency medicine education has moved more towards standardized curricula, standardized examinations, and standardized letters of evaluation, but there has not been a consistent or effective approach to standardizing the tools or processes used in the clinical assessment of medical students. Today we're talking about a recent article in AEM Education and Training called Multi-Institutional Implementation of the National Clinical Assessment Tool in Emergency Medicine, or NCAT-EM, Data from the First Year of Use. We're happy to have authors Dr. Doug Franzen and Dr. Juliana Young here with us to discuss it. Dr. Franzen is an Associate Professor of Emergency Medicine at the University of Washington School of Medicine and is the Associate Program Director for the Emergency Medicine Residency Program there. He has a master's degree in education with a focus in medical education, and his interests include assessment methods and student advising. He is a former president of clerkship directors in emergency medicine. Dr. Juliana, or Jules Young, is an associate professor of emergency medicine at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, where she has directed the core and advanced clerkships in emergency medicine for 16 years, in addition to leading numerous other courses and assessments. She holds a master's degree in medical education for the health professions and has particular interest and expertise in assessment methods and simulation. She's also the immediate past president of the National Clerkship Directors in Emergency Medicine Group. And we're so excited to have them both today to discuss this article. Don't forget to read the full text of this article available on our blog at brownemblog.com. Dr. Franzen, Dr. Young, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Doug, if you could say hello first, just so people know your voice. Hello. And uh, Dr. Young, Jules, how about you? Hi, everybody. Gita, thanks for having us. So, yeah, I'm excited to have you both. So let's let's start with some background. Um, you mentioned in your paper that with the shift towards competency-based assessment of medical students, there were multiple initiatives that have been aimed at measuring clinical performance. Can you talk generally about what some of those previous initiatives were? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I mean, with regards to background, this goes back uh, pretty far, I think, to like 2008, 2009, when we were all clerkship directors and just trying to muddle through how to assess our students. Uh, and in talking to a lot of people, we realized everybody seemed to be doing it differently. Uh, and so back in 2016, as sort of some of the groundwork for the NCAT itself, we wrote a paper where we surveyed as many clerkship directors as we could get. I think we sent out invitations to 172 and got 100 responses on that to just ask them, like, hey, what are you doing? How are you assessing your students? Um, and it really was kind of a big mishmash of everything, shift cards, OSCEs, you know, presentations, oral presentations, slideshows, you name it, in addition to a lot of non-clinical stuff like the ACE exam and the SAEM exam. Um, and I think, you know, during this time period, there was kind of an increased focus on competency-based assessment with the development of, you know, the milestones for residency and then, you know, med student milestones paper came out and then the EPAs and especially EPA 10 that was asking us to focus on emergency medicine and emergency situations. Um, so all of those things were kind of brewing in the background as the NCAT was gestating. So thinking specifically now about assessment, so what is the current situation for most 
medical students whose clinical performance is being assessed on their emergency medicine clerkship? Like how standardized is this process between institutions or even within the same institution? Well, it is a huge challenge because it's really not standardized in any way, shape or form. So every institution uses its own approach to clinical assessment. There are some commonalities across assessment tools, but the scales are very different. The wording of the anchors are very different. The expectations for um, how grades will be distributed are very different. And each, each institution decides its own grading standards. So an honors at one place can be the same as a high pass at another place, which can be the same as a pass at a third place. And it really puts students at a disadvantage advantage because fundamentally, when residency program leaders look at their applications, they're kind of guessing at what that performance really means. So absolutely. So I can imagine how this lack of standardization could really affect any given applicant in emergency medicine. Yeah. I mean, this is a really, really big problem because, you know, we've we've joked about this in the past and even put it in our slides. We're not just comparing apples to oranges. We're comparing apples to oranges to narwhals. It makes absolutely no sense. So, you know, one student might have a top 10% on their on their uh, slow, their standardized letter of evaluation in emergency medicine. Now, you might think, wow, that's really fantastic. This is a top 10% student. They must be an amazing performer. However, that school might inflate their grades. That school might give 75% of their students honors. They might put 40% of their students in the top 10, which I recognize <laughs> is mathematically impossible, but it happens all the time. You know, at another institution that has a more um, rigorous grading policy, the student might get high pass, they might be listed as a middle third candidate. And the performance, the quote, true performance between these students could be exactly the same. However, that one student is going to look a lot better on paper compared to the other student. And it, it really can create a lot of inequity in how students are viewed. Yeah, I think just Adding to that briefly, you know, that honors grade also, you know, that could be, let's say, 50% clinical grade and 25% of a presentation and 25% of, uh, I don't know, you know, the OSCE or something like that. Whereas uh, for that other student, you know, maybe their grade was 80% their clinical performance and they evaluated two areas that student A wasn't evaluated in at all. So, you know, as Jules said, like the, the compare, there really is no comparison when we try to look at these performances. Right. So enter now this National Clinical Assessment Tool in EM, or the NCAT, not to be confused with the MCAT, but the NCAT EM. What is, what is the NCAT EM, and how, how is it developed? So the NCAT EM itself was intended to be an end-of-shift clinical evaluation uh, that is filled out after direct observation, and ideally uh, it was sort of geared towards the fourth-year medical student doing a four-week rotation in emergency medicine. Um, you know, and that's there's already a whole lot of variables to consider there that you know some schools are doing you know two-week rotations or third-year rotations or you know there's all all sorts of things. And, and so we wrote actually two papers on this. It was developed uh, as part of a consensus conference at CORD uh, the year that it was in Nashville. It was a two-day conference. And in the first day of the conference, we really just kind of talked about assessment in general. What are you know principles of assessment? What are things that we would want on this evaluation? 
Um, you know, we had offered up all these different domains of assessment and said, do you want to include this? Yes or no. Uh, and in the second day, we kind of dug in a lot more specifically and offered up, you know, here's one of the domains that we said we would include. Uh, how would you want to evaluate this? Should we have, you know, a scale? Should it be a, you know, free answer, free text answer? Um, should there be behavioral anchors uh, and, you know, even got into like, how would we word the behavioral anchors? And so after that two day process, I think there were, what was it, two or three domains that were left that we then had to hammer out via a Delphi process after the fact. Uh, and putting that all together, we came up with this, this tool. Okay. So can you describe the tool just a little more? If I were to be evaluating a student at the end of shift, can you just walk me through it? What would I do? Uh, the, the tool is really just, you know, it's assessment in a number of different domains, uh, and there are four levels of performance in the tool. It could be filled out either on paper or electronically. We try to leave it generic that way. So, you know, whatever your process is at your school, um, you know, and the idea, again, is that you're filling this out after directly observing the student do these things. Uh, I like to actually sit down with the student and say, this is what I saw today. This is, you know, these are things where I didn't see this yet. You know, next time we work together, let's try and do some of these things. Uh, and so the, the areas that are on there are basically your history and physical, your ability to generate a differential, your ability to formulate a plan, uh, kind of observing and following up with your patients, recognizing emergency situations, and then your communication skills. Uh, and then there's a separate area for professionalism skills. Um, and because everybody in the consensus conference wanted this, the last part is, is kind of a global assessment of how did this student do today in a broad-based picture. All right. So back to your study now. So the purpose of your study was uh, to, and I'm quoting the paper, describe preliminary results of the implementation of the NCAT-EM by a multi-institutional consortium to inform its continued use in EM clerkships for assessing the clinical competence of medical students. Okay, so Jules, maybe can you describe how you set up the study? You know, how many institutions participated? Where were they? And then, and what did you do? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we had a lot of emergency medicine educators participating in the development of this tool. So there was a decent amount of interest in it, um, you know, immediately after the consensus conference. And we basically just recruited um, clerkship directors at institutions that were interested in trying this out to participate in the consortium. Um, we were open to any type of clerkship. So we had clerkships that were mandatory versus clerkships that were elective. Um, we had mostly fourth year clerkships, but there were um, a few that a few institutions that had third year clerkships. So there was some variation in the type of rotations that were included. And our real goal was just to kind of see if we put this tool out there, what kind of data does it generate and how does it perform um, when it's used by a diverse group of institutions across the country? And we did have every major geographic region in the U.S. represented in our samples. So um, it was a, a pretty broad and I think pretty well-representative group of uh, programs that were using it. Awesome. So which, which aspects of implementation were you examining in particular, like what data were you interested in collecting and what else would you like us to know about your methods? Well, I mean, we were really just, you know, trying to get as much data as possible. Um, 
you know, we had uh, a lot of demographic data. Is this a third year student? Is this a fourth year student? Is this their first emergency rotation? Is it required? Is it elective? Uh, we had demographic data about the evaluators themselves. You know, are, are uh, residents doing the evaluations? Are these junior faculty? Are they senior faculty? Mm-hmm. Uh, how long have they been doing this? Um, you know, how many shifts do they get to work with the students? Uh, really trying to just get, you know, as, as much of an overview of the evaluation process at each of the schools as possible. And then really kind of looking at, you know, the assessments, evaluations generated about these students, you know, how do they compare? How does an assessment uh, filled out in one school compare with other evaluators within that school? How do, does, you know, how does that whole group uh, from that school compare with groups at other schools? And really just trying to see, you know, is there, is there, is it possible to create a standardized evaluation process that could be used at different schools? All right. So, So you collected data for the 2017-2018 academic year, and you wound up with 6,402 NCAT EM assessments for 748 students by 704 assessors. And so tell us about what you found. So as you can see, that is a huge amount of data. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that we were most interested in is just how how is this going to distribute? What kind of scores are students going to be assigned? Is it going to be a normal distribution? Is it going to be skewed? And I think unsurprisingly, we found that the... Um, results were skewed towards the positive. Um, Much like I joked before about 40% of the class being in the top 10%, (laughs) we actually saw that the top categories um, were used more commonly than the lower categories. And in particular, the very lowest pre-entrustable rating category was uh, rarely used, only about 10% of the time. Um, This is actually consistent with how people tend to rank students um, in other media, like in standardized letters. Um, So this was not a huge surprise for us. I think what was a little bit more, I'm not sure surprising, but concerning to us was that there were there was very good reliability within sites, but a lot of variation between sites. And that suggests to us that even when you put the same exact assessment tool in the hands of people at different institutions, you're going to have them approach that assessment process differently. It's like there's an assessment culture within each institution and some places grade hard and some places grade easy and some places skew towards the middle and others are more willing to use the whole scale. Um, So there really were a lot of significant differences between institutions. And if this tool is going to be used to really, um, in a truly standardized way, to really be able to compare students across institutions, it's going to require faculty development and pretty rigorous instruction about how to approach the assessment process to get us all on the same page. Fantastic. Uh, So are there any limitations um, from your work that you'd like to highlight? I think uh, probably our biggest limitation was we were missing a lot of demographic data. Some of the sites were were really good about putting all the information in, and some of the sites were not as good about that. <laughs> uh, and so that that limited some of the analyses that we tried to perform. Um, we also, you know, we, we looked at how one of our hypotheses basically was that M four students would do better than M three students, and we unfortunately mm-hmm. had a fairly small population of M three students, um, and most of our students were on an elective month. 
month, uh, as mm -hmm. opposed to students doing a required rotation that weren't necessarily going into emergency medicine. Um, so our, our population, unfortunately, was was very much, you know, fourth year students going into EM. And I think it, it limited how well we could kind of see how does this tool perform across the board. Okay, so this is, I'm going to quote your paper again, the first large-scale multi-center aggregation of clinical assessment data for medical students in EM clerkships. It is proof of concept that standardization of assessment tools and comparison of data across institutions is feasible. So first of all, congratulations. Um, but then you, you do go on to say that your findings illustrate several important points to be addressed in future studies. So what are those points and what studies would you like to see come next? So we definitely would love to see more data and we'd like to see a wider range of um, clerkship types and students represented. So like Doug mentioned, we had a relatively small number of students taking required rotations. And that meant we had a relatively small number of, of non-EM bound students because most of our students were seniors planning careers in emergency medicine. We also didn't have a whole lot of M3 students. And I think that that group needs to be um, examined in a little bit more detail. So we would love to have a, a bigger sample. We would also love to have a more robust web portal. Um, it was challenging technically. We had to get coordinators at the sites to enter all of this data into our online web portal. And we would really like an app or something that would make it very easy for the data to be simply input by the evaluator and go straight into a database where it could be um, analyze. Oh, wouldn't so, that be nice? <laughs> that's the dream. And we actually were talking to some um, tech companies and things prior to COVID to see if we could get something like that built. Um, but the pandemic kind of derailed everybody doing for their uh, non-essential activities, unfortunately. Yeah, I think another aspect of this, you know, it would be obviously great to look at the same institutions over several academic years, right? You know, so is is an institution consistent in its assessment behavior year to year, or does that vary, um, right? And then also, again, you know, comparing institutions to each other as, as, you know, schools really only got to use this for one year. So as they get used to it, is there kind of a, you know, regression to the mean, if you will, where maybe the variation between programs would decrease just as schools got used to using this tool. Um, another sort of long-term dream that hopefully we'll get to is something that we called phase two, and that was going to be comparison of data from NCAT evaluations with markers of residency performance. Uh, and the idea is, you know, this was obviously all blinded, uh, but the idea was that once students had matched, they might be willing to unblind themselves, and then we could kind of go in and, and compare their performance, you know, how are they doing in residency milestones and things like that with how they did as a student to see if there's any, you know, prognostication that can be done with this tool. One other thing I'd like to add, I'm, I'm sure all of you saw the recent UGRC recommendations, uh, and, and some of those actually mentioned using shared competency-based outcome language to develop assessment tools that could be used uh, across schools and even shared in residency applications. Um, they uh, one of the one of them actually described a dashboard. Uh, like instrument with assessment data that came in a standardized format, which, you know, it really sounds very similar to what we were trying to create with the web portal. Um, you know, I, I would love to see emergency medicine lead a charge in implementing some of these recommendations. And, and I really think the NCAT could help us do that. Oh, fascinating. Well, thank you both of you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about your work. And I am looking forward to seeing what comes next. Well, thank you for having us. We're always happy to talk about this sort of thing. <laughs> Thank you. It's a huge honor to be invited. 
Thanks for listening to this AEM Education and Training Podcast. Be sure to read the full text of this article, available on our blog at brownemblog.com. Subscribe to all our AEM podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Search for AEM Early Access, all one word. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.